Welcome everyone to episode 27 of Chewing the Fat with Melf and Grimmy. And we are privileged to have another special guest today, Matt. Yeah, we've managed to pull some strings in the, in the Medway talent of trainers and competitive bodybuilders as well. We've got Rob joining us today. Welcome, Rob. How's it going, fellas? You all right? I don't think I come under the category of like Medway talented. I'm not sure I quite qualify for it yet, but... Oh, we, we give you that qualification. It's cool. You're on a podcast, yeah. mate, and you're well, taking I'll, time out to do it. So we, we, we really do appreciate it as well. And Mike, today's going to be like a different spin on what we normally do, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And it's good to have a specialist in a certain type of training, and especially a, a sort of training that perhaps me and you haven't really, well, I know me personally, I haven't pushed much towards anyway. So it's That's say, Mike. Talk about... Have you seen the size of my arms lately? I know you can't tell them. Under those guys watching, this is the biggest my arms. This is the biggest my arms I've ever been. Ever. We're all in jumpers as well. Because we're all trying to like bigger. I tried. I tried to dig out my tightest jumper this morning. Because I knew I was going to be on with you, fellas. I was like, I can't be. I can't be shown to be small against these guys. I've got to get something tight. So I put it in the tumble dryer for a couple of minutes. Welcome to Chewing the Fat with Mel and Grimmy. Two PTs talking about life inside and outside of the fitness industry. Well, I was um, doing a little bit of talk on your profile, which is very good, by the way. And I see you're currently sitting around 92 kilos. Is that right? Yeah, around 92. Yeah, well, I, don't, I mean... I am fat at the minute. To be to be totally honest with you, I'm about as fat as a gift at the minute. Uh, the old roll, you know, when you sit down, you got like the old rolls coming in, and you're like, I get, I'm trying to do something at work, and you're like, oh, I've got to do some cardio. Rob, I did see on your Instagram as well. Weren't you like hip thrusting? Like, is it like 180, 200 kilos or something like that? No, 300, man. Hip thrust. 300. How can you hit? How? How? I, I, honestly, I don't know because I'm not strong at all. I'm just, I, it's just, I don't know, to be honest. I just, it's one of the movements I, I started doing because I knew that when I next went onto stage, I knew that I wanted uh, more like striated glutes, uh, which isn't necessarily something we strive for, but in order to get that conditioning, you need more muscle there, basically. Mm. Um, so I thought, you know, I'm just going to throw them in and they just took off. Like before I knew it, I think I started on like 100 kilos, got technique down. And it was just something I was good at. <laughs> so, so I just so, it. so donkey kicks on the on the stairmaster don't do shit, right? Uh, I mean, I don't know. It depends. <laughs> if you want to put a few hundred pounds on your back whilst doing that, then maybe. Then maybe. maybe. Okay. Maybe. So, Rob, the reason why we've got you on today as well, as, as Mike said as well, is because you, you've competed in a, a bodybuilding competition. And, you know... I've years ago, years and years and years ago, I was one of them guys in the gym, you know, they start training for a few years, they decide they want to do the show, then they realize actually how much work and dedication is actually involved as well. And I think this would be brilliant to have your opinion today. So first of all, what made you sort of fall in love with bodybuilding? How did you come about it? Yeah, so I think I started off pretty much probably, I mean, I'm not, I'm sort of guessing here, but I started off pretty much the same as most guys do, going into a gym sort of 18, 19. 
because I'd like, you know, trying to look better, feel better, girls. Um, I've got I, I've got a hot partner and I was like, I, I know I'm punching, so I need to like up my game. <laughs> you know, so I got into the gym just for them sort of reasons, you know, but then I started to meet a few people um, and started training with people who had competed. Um, they'd competed on the uh, assisted side and I knew that was nothing I necessarily wanted to do. But just, uh, you know, seeing them do it, talking to them about it, I realised I wasn't that strong, so powerlifting wasn't an option or strong man. I'm not big enough to be a strong man, so I figured, you know, I, I, I think I could give this. There was also a guy who I worked with who competed, um, so I got chatting with him, and I, I kind of liked... The more I got into training, the more I learned about nutrition, I, I fell in love with the, the discipline side of it. You know, being able to say, no, I don't want that. And being, being in, in control of, um, of myself completely, being able to control, <clears throat> being disciplined to go to the gym and do my training, being disciplined to prep my meals. And um, I fell in love with that side of it. And then the more I learned, the more I just fell in love with it and, you know, discovered more and more. I mean, it does take a certain type of character to do that, doesn't it, as well? Because, you know, I've always, ever since I've, I've started training, I've always loved training, mate, honestly. But I think to go to that level of discipline is yeah. is, is another level. And I think a lot of people don't necessarily understand that um, because they might see your, if you're having a photo shoot, they might see if you're stepping on stage, you looking dry, shredded, and think that that is achievable. But, you know, it is a very small population of people who actually have the, the correct mindset to do that, don't they? Yeah, you've got to be an idiot, <laughs> basically. <laughs> no, no, it's, um, no, you're right. It is, a, it is a certain type of person. You've got to be, um, you've got to be fairly disciplined and um, really, really want it, to be honest with you. I don't know why I got so sucked into it. I just did. I just fell in love with the pro. I fell in love more with the process of it. Like if you talk to most bodybuilders, we're on stage for like, it's not long at all. You know, you do your, you, you go on stage with um, however many people are in your class and you do, you run through your mandatory poses, uh, symmetry round, things like that. And then you get like a minute to do your posing routine. Um, all in all, you're talking probably like at the most 15 minutes on stage um and don't get me wrong I was one, one of the rare ones again I just enjoyed it uh, apparently I like being tanned and strutting around in my pants you know? <laughs> I, I I love the process of, of dieting down being strict and disciplined and people say how do you do that I'm like I just do it just love it I was reading one of your other posts and you actually mentioned sort of natural bodybuilding is not for the faint-hearted you have to really work your your ass off for every ounce of muscle growth over years of like being consistent and hard work and it's saying like two years to put on some size in in certain areas so you mentioned like actually depending on where you start i guess your muscle gain can depend on where you fit into that category is that right rob oh absolutely yeah i mean as a beginner obviously as you two probably know you can walk into a gym um and as long as you've got some as long as you're not like training biceps and doing leg extensions then you're and and you're eating a semi-decent amount of food you're going to gain muscle um as you go as you come into that sort of intermediate and advanced um training it, it becomes a lot more difficult naturally to 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 build the muscle it's just your body just changes you know um and obviously you have to sort of lift heavier and you can't keep progressing in that way 
obviously when you're a beginner, you may be able to add, if you're doing a bench press, you may be, may be able to add like five kilo a week to the bench until you get to a certain point. You know, once you're getting up to, you know, like a decent weight for your, for your body weight, um, there's only so far you can push it. So then you have to look at different intensity techniques. You know, if you're, um, if you're training with a lot of weight, a lot of reps, a lot of sets, because we know obviously we want um, a good amount of volume for hypertrophy. Um, unfortunately, with that comes a lot of fatigue um, and you have to be able to manage that. Uh, that's the difference. It takes that much more uh, volume and intensity to, to get the muscle going. Yeah. And then, like I say, you have to focus more on other aspects, like really focus down and nail, nail nutrition, um, sleep, recovery. Every, everything has to be, the more advanced you get, the harder it gets. So people almost, <clears throat> they want to be classified as like an advanced lifter or an advanced body plumber. No, you don't. <laughs> like, I would love to be a beginner <laughs> because I can put muscle on like, yeah. like easy. And um, is, but as you become more advanced, it just becomes more difficult. And it is quite marginal gains, like you said, when you get up to that, that level, isn't it, as well? Like, even a, a pounds or two of muscles, the, the massive change, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, <clears throat> I competed in 2018 and I, and I knew from then that I needed more, more size. My condition was pretty good. I, I needed more size. And I knew that that was going to take me, well, for a start, uh, you've got to look at recovery after a bodybuilding show. You've got to focus on coming out of the other end of it sensibly, um, what, you know, mentally, physically, your nutrition's got to be on point. Um, so you, I like allowed myself like six months to, to recover, you know, to get the hormone levels back to a, a good point, to get to a point where I could really start pushing again. Um, the first, like I say, six months depends on how long you've dieted for but um so i knew that i would need at least two or three years to to be able to put on the muscle that i needed to before i could compete again and then you've got to think well if i need two or three years to, to get the muscle that i want then well then I, I know that i'm gonna have at least you know six well probably eight to ten months of dieting on top of that mm. some people go year to year and compete um which again as you become more advanced you can get away of doing that because the amount of muscle you're going to grow is only limited anyway. Um, but for beginners and people like that, I'd say, you know, get into a good off season, a good two, three year off season, put some, put some muscle on, um, get some, get some lifts, some good numbers in the gym. Mm. Um, it just, in answer to your question, yeah, it takes some time to get that muscle on. Also on that note as well, Rob, obviously when, when you're prepping for a show, you know, in the, you say about six months, you were trying to get basically as lean as a muscle and try and put uh, lean as possible and try and preserve as much muscle tissue as, as you possibly can during this dieting phase. Now, mm -hmm. a lot of people would almost view bodybuilders on stage of, of, of being almost quite healthy. Now, in, in your opinion, just before you step on stage, can you describe to everyone how you're feeling in yourself? Um, it's, it, to be honest, then body fat levels, it's not healthy. Um, it comes with a lot of side effects. Um, you you'll see low testosterone levels um, in women. You can um, you know they can lose their period, menorrhea, um, estrogen goes out the window. It you know I don't want to sound I don't want to put no one off of it, you know because I, I kind of I want to promote natural bodybuilding as best as I can. But there are things that people need to realise and there are side effects. And no, when you're down when you're on stage, no, your body is not in a healthy position. And not only is your body not in a healthy position physically, but mentally, you're very drained. Um, you're very food focused. Um, a lot of people can develop eating disorders. Uh, you know, it, 
look, it's brilliant. It's a brilliant thing. And I would never say to if someone comes to me and said, look, I want to compete. I would never say, don't do it. I would, I would encourage them to do it if they was in a position to be able to do it. Um, because it is a brilliant thing. You'll learn a lot about yourself. Um, it's a good, great way to challenge yourself and, and see how far you can push yourself. And you'll learn a lot about yourself as well, physically and mentally. Mm. You'll learn what you, what you are capable of and what you can do. So it's a great experience. Um, and it may be an experience that you, you don't enjoy and you don't have to do it again. But if someone comes to me and says, I want to do it, I'd be like, yeah, okay, if, let's, let's talk, let's, let's see what sort of position you're in. If you're in a position to do it, then, then let's go. Moving on with that, specifically sort of gender, what would you say the, the key differences of approaches that you would take? Just say both a male and female, sort of intermediate level, they've both been training for a couple of years. How would you approach their first comp differently? I think the, the first thing to look at with that type of thing is obviously the categories, uh, the female categories, it depends on what category they're doing. The, these women competing, I think it's fitness. Um, one of the categories, I'm more into the, obviously the male side of bodybuilding, so, you know, that, um, but um, the, the female categories are, in my opinion, a lot more difficult. Like, have you seen them girls that like doing acrobatics and, you know, jumping around and stay like their routines are crazy and they're in high heels. And I'm like, I went on stage barefoot in a pair of pants and that was, that was difficult and nerve wracking enough. I would like, I mean, obviously women know how to walk in high heels, right? But I, I wouldn't want to be doing that, you know, a posing routine. I'll take my hat off to the women. Uh, the big, so with regards to the categories, it really depends on what category they choose on. Uh, would dictate what body, what sort of body fat percentage you've, you've got to get them down to for a start. Um, so if they was going into something like bikini, their body fat percentage can be a lot higher um, because they haven't got to have that dry, ripped, um, you know, muscular look. It's bikini, right? But if they was going into something like physique, then they've got to have a decent amount of muscle, uh, good symmetry, shape, and, and be quite dry. So again, the other thing with that is it depends on where their body fat percentage starts. So if, if you've got a female coming to you and they're like, you know, 30, 35% body fat, you've just got to, it just takes time, take it nice and slowly, diet them down slowly. With regards to training, I really would say it doesn't, I wouldn't change their training too much. Like you say, if they're sort of intermediate, they, they're going to know what they're doing. Um, and the training doesn't really change. I wouldn't change their training plan, but the goal would be to to maintain what they have been doing for as long as we possibly can. Inevitably, eventually, the uh, their performance in the gym will drop off because their body fat percentage is low, uh, their glycogen stores are completely depleted. Um, so you, that's when you manage that. So with training, I wouldn't change anything until you're forced to because that's almost a tool. You're using their training um, and their performance in the gym as a tool to maintain the muscle mass that they've built in their off season. So, and that really doesn't yeah. differ from female to male. Um, so, yeah. but there is other considerations, like I say, you've got to, like, it, when they get down to a certain body fat percentage, you've got to consider that they may lose their period. And that comes with a lot of, um, other side effects, uh, hair thinning and, um, you know, the estrogen levels drop comes with low libido, things like that. So there's, there's things, obviously there's different things to consider between male and female, but the, the general concept of training so you've got a male male guy in off-season training and you know i would keep his training the same as long as i could same as i would a female um but you're just looking for different 
signals back from from them uh, because because it's a different yeah. different makeup. Um, so training, I would keep pretty much the same until I was forced to change anything. Um, nutrition again, it, it just depends on the person. You can have a male, um, you know, who has to diet to get show lean, like on eighteen hundred calories, right? You can have a male that can get show lean on three thousand calories. Depends on their size. Depends on their genetic makeup. Um, and that's no different with females. Yeah. And I think what you're saying there, Rob, as well, like you're saying about women losing their periods and, you know, um, men sort of testosterone levels are dropping as well. And I think that's something across all sports as well, isn't it? Like, you know, if you're an Olympic weightlifter, you're going to get sort of sore knees at one point. You're going to get injuries. So I think with any sport, it definitely goes without saying there are, you know, some health repercussions as well, but there's a lot of positives out of it as well. And that's why that is a, almost a professional sport as it were because you know it's not for the average person um, and one other point as well Rob I find it very interesting as well when you mentioned that people's training doesn't really change that much actually because I know a lot of people who maybe have started a, a fat loss protocol phase whatever you want to call it and they've tried to maybe hit like pbs and try and lift new weights during during like a dieting phase and yeah. um like I said for you would there be elements of like maybe just changing someone's volume, um, frequency of training? How would you, how would you approach that in more detail? I probably wouldn't change much with regards to frequency and volume to begin with because there's no real need. Um, like I say, only I would only change it. So if you can maintain that sort of volume, training volume and frequency, that's a good sign. So if you're losing body fat, um, you're in a calorie deficit body fat starting to come off we're looking how we want to look at this stage of the prep um and we can keep the volume training frequency and and the lifts as well as close to or the same uh, and what that was and that's a good sign that we're maintaining as much muscle mass as possible and like you said earlier the goal is to maintain muscle mass and lose body fat you're going to lose muscle mass you're going to lose muscle mass i think sometimes there's a misconception and it comes from the um the untested side um, and I've got, you know, nothing against all of that. You know, if people have really thought about it, done their research and want to go down that road, then that's fine. But because when people look into bodybuilding, that's the first thing they see, right? They see the Ronnie Coleman's, the Phil Heath's, these guys, these huge guys. Um, they, they think uh, that that's, that's how you look. They think that that's how you... And these guys will get stronger and, and get bigger during a prep because of the other things they're taking to us that um with natural side you haven't got that so all you've got to rely on is your physiology and if you're if you weigh less you've got less body fat uh less support around the joints uh you, your glycogen stores are depleted your performance in the gym inevitably will drop off and that is the point where if a client was going to be saying look i i finished training this week but i'm dead like i can't get up I cannot move my, I can't move, I'm, I'm tired, you know, I've got no energy at work. Mm. That's when we would adjust it. No, that's wrong. We would adjust it before that. I would try and adjust things before it got to that point. So you're looking for, for the signs that we need to adjust something. And that's when I probably wouldn't change frequency or their training split. I probably would just reduce the volume. Um, and you also, obviously, we can use um, reps and reserve to gauge all of that. So the idea would be, look, this week, depending on where you are in the training cycle, if we're looking at like a six to eight week block, um, 
would dictate what sort of intensity I want them training at, three reps in reserve or, or two or one. Maybe we would just keep it three reps in reserve. Point being that we're not, we're in a calorie deficit, so we're not going to be gaining muscle, right? So there's no real need to take it that far, that, like take your training that close to failure. All you're doing is generating fatigue. You're not getting, you're, you're not in a position to gain the benefits of going that close to failure by gaining muscle growth because you haven't got the calories coming in. So there's all you're doing essentially is generating fatigue, right? Yeah. So go in and say, right, this week I want you to stay at a free rep in reserve. If that means that they're, they was squatting 140 um, and this week or two or three weeks down the line, they're squatting 135 at the same rep in reserve, then it's like, it's going to happen the further down the prep you get. The, the, the aim is to reduce that and to manage that. Mm. And that, but that's when I would adjust volume to, to, to manage fatigue. Um, because at the end of the day, we're not going on stage to lift as much weight as we can. We're going on stage to be as, as, as shredded and, and have as much muscle mass as we can. And obviously stress, um, sleep, recovery, it's all got to be on point to, to aid that. What's like an average length that you would get someone to start prep for weeks before a comp? I know you mentioned obviously it depends on the individual, the level that, that they're at, uh, a mini cut or uh, a long cut. Well, it, again, it does depend on what sort of body fat percentage they're currently at. And it depends on what category they're going into. So bodybuilding, male bodybuilding, you've got to be like as lean as you can and as muscular as you can. Um, for example, when I... And it, it, most people will do this. When I um, did mine, I, I got a coach. I got uh, Luke Haygreen. You know Luke don't you, from physique. Um, and I thought I was in a really good position to start prep. Um, and this was obviously going back a few years. And he was like, I think, you know, you, you can do it, but it's going to be tough. Basically, the, the longer you can give yourself, the better. Because if we can take the time to implement like diet breaks, uh, you know, one or two a day week refeeds, that's all going to optimize the prep. So whereas if you give yourself less time, you may not have time to have diet breaks and things like that. So then you're just, you're literally just digging and digging and digging and digging the whole time, which again, then you're generating lots of fatigue. Um, you know, your body doesn't really care how much muscle you've got and how shredded you are. Your body wants you to survive and live, so it's it's trying to keep itself in homeostasis. Basically, it's trying to keep everything balanced, and you're you're not the things you're doing are not keeping your body in balance. So your body's almost like fighting against you. So you have to manage that. So I would say as long as you possibly can, um, and it depends on what sort of body fat percentage you're at and what category you're going into. My my diet time was, but I have got a post on my Instagram. And I didn't put the, the fat picture of me as the main one, but if you swipe across, there's the fat picture of me, right? When I started my prep. Um, <clears throat> and I think I was about 15 stone, which for me is really heavy because I'm only like five foot nine. Um, so, and I dieted um, from January. I literally started in the new year. And my first competition was June or July, I think. 
and I dieted right through until November for the nationals. And the nationals was where I looked the best. Um, so that, so there you go. So to look your best, maybe for me at my body fat percentage in the category I was in, I dieted from January round through to November before I started my prep with Luke, I had already, um, done like two or three months by myself dieting down. So you it, almost a year. And with that, with that sound as well, Rob, you know, how did you find your, almost like your lifestyle during that, that, that sort of long phase, especially like, with like your family, your partner, was it a, a sort of a strain? Did you have to get them on board with it? Can you explain to me how, you know, you had to have a good support around you? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm really, really lucky. Like I said at the beginning, my partner's, I'm, I'm very lucky. I'm a very lucky guy. She's really, really supportive. Uh, you know, great mum. And you've got to have them types of people around you. Um, they may not necessarily understand it, like, but you just need them to understand that it's something that you want to do. You need to maybe talk to them and sit them down and say, look, this is going to take six months to a year. And um, it's something I really want to do. And I just need you to understand I may be... Uh, I wouldn't say distant. I would say, how can I put it? It's almost like you're, you don't realise you're doing it and you don't do it on purpose. I think people think that you, you, you're like angry and all like that, but you, you don't realise that you're doing it. My, my partner said to me a couple of times, oh, you was not angry, but you was very like, you didn't speak. Um, and there was no real, that you know, there was no, if we could be having a conversation, right? And it was almost like a, just a cloud would just come over my face because I just switched off. And that wasn't just with my partner and my family. That was, that was at work. That was everything. Um, Cause you, you've got no energy. It, it's amazing. It is amazing what the body does and what your mind does. I, when I was competing and, uh, you know, well into my prep, my, um, you know, my knee just, it just goes down. You, people talk about it and you think, oh, it doesn't make that much of a difference. Let me tell you, I was doing like three or 4,000 steps less without even thinking about it. So I would go to where, as you know, I'm a heavy vehicle mechanic, right? I work over the back from you guys. So we do quite a lot of walking around out in the yard and, and, and that without even thinking about it. If you was walking from the yard to the, to the workshop where you might normally walk around the skip and, and, and go into the workshop without even thinking about it, your body's like, no, we're going that way. The, the most direct line possible to to use as less energy as possible so your knee just goes through the roof uh, sorry goes like it just drops off you you just so you'll be sit there and you'll you, you'll be sat still right now right so we i can see you when you're like moving around you none of that like your body's just like just, someone talks to you like yeah what? I like, I, that's the thing as well when people do go on these low calorie diets even if they're not competing bodybuilding as well there's almost that you're right, that subconscious need to move as much, isn't it, as well? You know, like you say, you're just sitting still. You're going to take, as humans do, the shortest route possible. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. I mean, that, that, that just gets worse and worse as time goes on. So with regards to family, yeah, it does. You have to you have to take that into consideration. You have to. You have to sit down and they, you have to let them know that, you know, if you talk to me and I'm a little bit glazed over, I'm not responsive, I'm not doing it on purpose. I didn't even realise I was doing it. Um, so you have to have a strong relationship. You really do. Um, and you do need people around you to support you. You know, I, it, it gets intense. You know, I remember going into the gym and like all I could think about all day was going into the gym and squatting. But not because I always enjoyed training, but 
but I was, it got to the point towards the end of my prep where I was nervous about squatting. So yeah. you're almost a little bit anxious about it because you know, like you've got to get under this bar and you're like, uh, I can't even like for me, I can't, I can't be bothered to undo this bolt <laughs> at work. So how am I going to go into the gym and get under, you know, like a 150 kilo squat for like eight, 10 reps? I, I haven't got it. <laughs> you know, and then you talk yourself into it. So there's this whole sort of battle. So your mind, and also you become very food focused, right? So, I mean, caffeine was like, I was, I did develop a bit of an addiction to caffeine. I was, you're constantly, you eat, right? And you feel good for half an hour. And then you're like, what, what time's my next meal? And then, so even, I mean, I, we still went out family days, things like that, did all of that type of thing. I went to Butlins actually about, I was at Butlins for a, a week before my one of my competitions. So I was really like, you know, I was coming up to peak week, right? So I was, I was fairly lean and um, it was, it was tough. I enjoyed it. I loved it because it's time with my family and I, there's nothing more that I like than doing that. Right. But it was tough. Like I just haven't got the energy. So the kids wanted to get up and, and, you know, go and do some activities and that. And it was like, I had to really be like, come on, Rob, you know, like I had to force myself to do it. And, and, you know, kids pick up on that. Your partner picks up on that. And, it, but as long as I understand that that's not, you're not doing that on purpose. Right. So you, as long as I understand that, and that's just a side effect of what you're doing and it's temporary, um, then that's fine training for like a big comp like you rob very fortunate to have a, a really supportive partner and she knows that during comp periods your mind wanders today i've got to do snatch or tomorrow i've got to do this i'm going to bed at this time tonight if it wasn't for her i wouldn't be nowhere near as successful as i was and i'm sure you can say, say the same can't you Grimmy? yeah definitely man i think like you know even with like things even like with, with business as well working long hours, um, having to dedicate, dedicate a lot of, of time to other things as well. I think it's really good to have a very supportive partner, obviously, with you and supportive friends um, throughout yeah. as well. So, Rob, if, so as I was sort of last question for you today, mate, would you ever compete again and would you recommend anyone to ever compete? Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I've got plans to compete again. Um, I'm in the middle of moving house this year, so things are going to be a bit hectic this year. Um, so this year, I mean, as well with, with COVID, obviously that's, you know, that's affected things a lot. So my original plan when I finished competing in 2018 was to compete in 2022. So we're next year. Yeah. I don't think, I think I might have to push it back a year just because I want to be in a good position. So this year for me, training is going to be put a little bit on the back burner. Um, probably I'll, I'll push from time to time, but <clears throat> for the majority of it, it's going to be at maintenance. And then next year I'll push again before then going into a dieting phase. So yeah, absolutely. I want to compete again. I, and last time I got to nationals and got third and I want to, I, I want to go, I want to go pro to be honest with you. That's, that's where I want to go. I want to um, go and compete abroad if I can, which is a tough ask. Like natural bodybuilding, the standards of natural bodybuilding are only increasing. So the longer I leave it, the better these other guys are getting. <laughs> so I need to uh, I need to be quick about it otherwise I'm going to be too old and they're just going to be taking over me but um, I want to go again and I want to compete at, at the best standard I can naturally which would be like the WNBF um, which would mean going abroad and competing and representing like the federation that you've competed through whether that's like the UK DFBA or MPA so yeah I definitely want to compete again and yes I would I would absolutely recommend that 
if someone wants to do it, I would never say don't do it. Um, I would say let's have a chat. Let's see what your positions in. It depends on a lot of things. You know what? You know, if a guy comes to me and he's like, "Yeah, I want to compete," I'm like, "All right, well, let's just talk about a little bit what's going on in your life." And he's like, "Well, you know, I'm working 60, 70 hours a week. I'm in the middle of a divorce. You know, I'm a little bit strapped for cash at the minute. I'm going to be like, dude, I don't think this is the right time for you to compete." Like you may be better just, you know, just if, if, if the guy's got a decent amount of muscle mass, let's just go to maintenance and let's manage the stress that, that, that you're under at the minute. And then when we're in a better position financially, you know, uh, mentally, physically, then we'll then we'll go through it. Um, <clears throat> so there's there is definitely things to consider. That's the only time I'd really recommend someone not to compete is if if they're in a, you know, you've got to take people's eating disorders, mental health in, in into into consideration. And of course, as well, if they're like coming to me and they're like 120 pound and six foot, I'm going to be like, mate, we, we need to go into an off season and put some muscle on first. Yeah, you need to, we need to go and do some work first. Let's, let's get in the gym, let's get under some weights, let's, let's build some muscle and then, yeah. you know, and then we'll, we'll, we'll get the fat off uh, when we need to. Hmm. One more for me. I mean, as long as you want, fellas, as long as you want. Yeah. One of your posts every day, you talking about, massing phases and just you've got to be so careful of, of how you approach it yes you need to increase your calories but you don't really want to be overdoing the the fat gain even though that's inevitable isn't it really uh, yeah it is inevitable and that's something i always you know i want to say to people as well is um we can go into a, a gap because people say i want to build muscle but when they say they want to build muscle what they what they picture is like the guy with the six pack you know like striated delts you know like veins everywhere and um and that that comes eventually but you've got to work for it like people don't like you guys right i come and watch you guys uh, compete um and i i i take my hat off to you guys because i could not do that <laughs> i was very impressed but point being you don't it doesn't just happen overnight right and and unfortunately one of the side effects of that is as you're in a calorie surplus it doesn't just all convert to muscle it, it doesn't just do that your body will gain fat the idea i would never say to someone well we want to, the aim is to remain as lean as possible during a gaining phase. No, the aim is to gain as much muscle as possible while limiting the amount of fat gain, right? Because it goes back to diet time then. So if you gain loads of fat in your off season, all you're doing essentially is extending the amount of time you're going to have to diet for, for the competition. When you're in a, a, a deficit, your muscle mass is at risk, right? So that extra time maybe that you spent in an off season, them extra calories that you that you consumed unnecessarily that, that cause you to gain lots of extra fat, you're gonna have to spend that time dieting down, right? And in that time period, you may well lose the extra muscle mass that you gained by just eating, by, by just being in that um, surplus for a longer period of time or in too much of a surplus where you gained that extra fat. So if you can go into, and you, but your body will go through phases. Like I remember if I go back about a year, I was in an off season and I felt, I looked pretty shredded um, in an off season, I, but I was about six or seven kilos lighter than what I am now. But I was like, man, I, I looked like I was about to step on stage at like 85 kilo. If I dieted back down to 85 kilo now, there's nothing to say that I would look like that because it's just a phase that your body's in. At that point in time, I'd recovered from my shows, calories was coming in, lifts were really good. So my body was just reacting to the current situation. Whereas if I was to go, to go down to 85 kilo now, I may not look like that. I may look better. I don't know, it just depends what, what's going on in, with everything else. 
so yeah you want to manage body fat you need to manage the amount of body fat that you're getting on there's also the thing of uh, okay we want to be as optimal as possible right so we want to gain as much muscle mass limit fat gain and then diet whilst maintaining as much muscle mass as possible but what if your lifestyle doesn't quite allow for that and to to the main thing really is adherence and consistency, right? As you both know, you've got to be consistent. When you guys are coming up for your competitions, like you said, you've got to be consistent and, and you're focused on that. It's just one that you've just got to keep pushing and just do the right thing, take the right steps. You can't, you can't just constantly keep adding calories. But if, if your lifestyle is not lining up with what you're doing, then it may be that you gain some extra fat and that's okay. Because your lifestyle, you know, we've got a family to consider. We've got friends to consider. You've got a life to lead, okay? You, you've got a life outside of the gym. So we need to um, take that into consideration. If your lifestyle means that you've gained some extra fat, then, all right, we just take a bit of a longer dieting approach. Mm. So, yes, we can be as optimal as possible. And, like, the post is, is trying to be as optimal as possible because that's what it's focused around. It's focused around bodybuilding. But you do have to take into consideration, like, there is life outside of this. If you're working 60, 70 hours a week because your missus has just lost her job, then, you know, you're, you may be getting food on the road. Um, we can still manage it, but you, you might put on more body fat. So, yes, we want to be as optimal as possible, but you do have to take into consideration people's lifestyles. Yeah. Oh, Rob, thank you very much, though. Like, this has been a perfect insight into <clears throat> you know, competing, even bodybuilding, because a lot, of, a lot of people don't fully understand this subject as well um, and what it takes to be a sort of competitive level um, and also for the regular person trying to trying to get into it so Rob we appreciate you for your time today um, and if you guys are listening to this please go and follow Rob on Instagram we'll tag his um, IG link in the bio below Mike any final words what's your favorite pose your go-to pose he's got the front double bicep in his profile picture here as well isn't he so yeah, I, I mean, we all like a front double, don't we? Everyone likes a front double. And I, my front double's not bad. So I kind of like that. I'd say when I'm on stage, like at the end of a, a, a competition, they do like a pose down. So basically you get everyone on stage and you, but it's just free, right? So you just pose, you, do, you pose to whatever, you do whatever pose you want. I like uh, getting the quad out of it. My legs, are, my legs are one of my stronger points. So getting the quads out, doing the most muscular and, and showing them striations in the quads is always good. Yeah, I think I, I, if I had to choose, you make me choose. I would, <laughs> I'd probably. No oh man, I don't know. I think I I'm going to go most muscular. Well, Rob, I thought you'd go for the glutes by now, since you've you hit first in field. Yeah, I'll be getting a bar on stage. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 we'll see, right? Because glutes are the one of the last things to come in. So it, next time I compete, if they're what I want them to be, then mate, you might be right, mate. Maybe I will. Uh, maybe that will be my favourite pose. Hashtag booty gains. Booty gains. It's all about the booty. Okay. Thank you very much, Rob. And uh, guys, we appreciate any social shares on this podcast as well. And obviously, if you ever think about competing or want to ask Rob for any advice to do bodybuilding, I'm sure he'd be okay with you sending him a DM. Absolutely. Take care, everyone. Thanks very much, guys. Take care. Stay safe. Stay well, guys.